Likut Sikha is Chilik Tezayin, Volume 16, the fifth Sikha for Parshas Boy, which is also titled as a Sikha for Yudshvat. Parshas Boy is, I guess, inherently connected to Yudshvat, as, first of all, the Istalkos of the Friedrich Rebbe took place on Shabbos Parshas Boy Yudshvat, and Parshas Boy always falls out either preceding Yudshvat, or as in this year, Tovshim Peidalid, it's actually, once again, Shabbos coincides with Yudshvat. Now, what's significant about Boy? The highlights of the Parsha, first of all, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the exodus from Egypt, and of course, the mitzvah of Chinuch, of educating one's child, is very much highlighted in this Parsha, as the Torah instructs us, and this is one of the mainstays of the Seder Pesach, that we have to focus on the children and teach them properly, and also, of course, the prohibition of Chametz on Pesach. Now, this Sikha will focus on a story that the previous Rebbe, the Friedrich Rebbe, related um, about his father, the Rebbe Rashab in the Semach Tzedek, around the issue of Chametz, and will get an appreciation according to Halacha, and you can see something wonderful here in the Rebbe's philosophy, in the Rebbe's approach to anything and everything that has to do not only with explicit Torah, so to speak, but also with Hasidic stories, especially those stories that were related to us by the Rabbeim, that each and every detail is not only consistent with, but also highlighted in Halacha. And also, of course, the Sikha will, uh, I'm sorry, another thing, the Sikha will teach us something which is well known amongst Hasidic Chabad, that we are very careful, extremely careful, to the umpteenth degree, not to sell any mashka or cake, and it means any type of chametz that what we see from the Rebbe, not to sell it. And that's why you wouldn't find today, I think it was impossible to find, mashka that was given to any one of the chassidim by the Rebbe, that it should be available today. Because you cannot sell the Rebbe's mashka, and chametz the Rebbe was very particular about it, and we'll find out why. And then of course, another thing we're going to learn is the importance, and, and to what degree one has to go, uh, in the chinuch of children. Let's just familiarize ourselves um, quickly with some of the concepts that will be discussed in this sicha. So, of course, chametz on Pesach. First of all, meaning the biblical prohibition, that is not only you're not allowed to derive any benefit from the chametz, but you're not even having it in your possession whatsoever. It's not a belong to you over Pesach. However, biblically, this only applies to actual chametz, such as yeast or real actual leaven stuff. However, Midrabanan, it goes a step further, that even if it's only a mixture of chametz, like say you have something, let's say certain candies, that just have a little flour in it, it's not the main ingredient, it's not the main substance of it, still, it's also usr. Now, there is an aspect of getting rid of the chametz before Pesach, that it shouldn't be yours. The Torah says it shouldn't belong to you. Well, according to the Torah, it's enough, it's sufficient if you make it hefker. Hefka means you make it free for all. You basically remove your ownership and you say, it no longer belongs to me, it belongs to everyone. If you want to be extra certain and make sure you did it right, you just take it out of your possession, put it outside and say, free for all. However, the Chachamim did not um, allow this to be the bottom line. Why? Because the Chachamim, the sages that is, were concerned 
that since a person is so used to eating chametz, and that's kosher chametz, and all year it's fine, and it's, it's, there's no issue with it, so even if you make it hefka, but it'll still be in your possession, it'll be around you, you may come to forget, and you may come to eat from it. So therefore, the chachamim mandated that you have to get rid of it. How do you get rid of it? Well, we could do is, you, in other words, how do you not, quote, own it on Pesach? So you could do is either, we know, there's something we do every year, we sell the chametz. What does it mean you sell the chametz? You sell it to a guy, which is, in a way, kind of loophole, because you know, and the guy knows, that they're going to sell it back to you. However, as we're going to see in the Sicha, this is an absolutely perfect method, so long that the sale was done properly and in, you know, thoroughly as a sale should be done. Then there's also, of course, if you do proper hefker, free for all, technically it could work, and that's if you take it out of your possession. Now, what happens with chametz? She'ovar olava Pesach. Chametz that was in a possession of a yid, or somewhat belonged to a Jew on over Pesach, well, after Pesach, it's also bahano. You now not derive any benefit from it. So that's another aspect. Another thing to be familiar with, how does one get rid of the chametz? In other words, what is the proper method to destroy chametz before Pesach? And we do this every year. So according to, there's a machlekes, according to some opinion, it's enough if you just crumble it, let's say you take the chametz and you turn it into absolute crumbs and you just throw it into the air. Thus, it's no longer edible. You, who, who can go pick up all those crumbs? However, the actual chametz still exists. Whereas Rabbi Yehuda, he argues that the only true method to get rid of chametz is to burn it. In other words, to totally destroy, totally eradicate it. Um, the concept of shiraim. Now, in Chabad, this is not prevalent. In fact, perhaps it's even shunned to a great degree. But by many chassidim, there is a virtue of getting the shirayim, the leftovers, from what the tzaddik ate. That means you go to your Rebbe and you receive from their leftovers. If it's from their challah, from their bread, whatever it is, and that's considered to be something very holy, and this gives you a connection to the tzaddik. By us, chassidi Chabad, obviously we have, clearly that the Rebbe gave mashke, they would give vodka, or when the Rebbe gave lekach, when the Rebbe gave before Yom Kippur, before Hashanah Rabbah, the Rebbe gave actual pieces of cake, and that was a blessing that was transmitted from the Rebbe to us. And we'll discuss it in this, um, in this sikha. So let's get into it. The previous Rebbe related the story that happened with his father when he began to go to Cheder. He was just three years old, and his induction in Cheder, you know, we make what's called a Reinfeer, a whole ceremony, an elaborate uh, production, if I may, of bringing the child into Cheder. And one of the things you do is when the child is covered with his talis, you throw candies on him. And there, the Tzemach his grandfather, was still alive, because I think the Tzemach Tzedek passed away when he was four or five years old. The Tzemach Tzedek threw the candies on him, and he can hear his grandfather's voice saying, this is being thrown in you for Malach Mechoyl. The Rebbe Rashab took this so literally and so seriously and it meant so much to him that he kept those candies on his possession for months and months. Remember, his birthday is Chav Cheshwin. And this is already coming close to Pesach. The custom is to check all the pockets of the children and everyone in the household to make sure that they're clean of chametz. So that Tzemach Tzedek called him and I guess he had a hunch that he may be holding on to it. And he said to him, where are those candies? You still have them. And he made him eat it. And of course, he didn't allow him to sell it or anything, as we'll see in the, in the Sicha. He made him consume it right there and then before Pesach. So says the Rebbe, like every story that the Rabbeim, that our Rebbe's 
told us. More, moreover, those stories that actually happened with them, that they are one of the characters in the story, certainly has so many lessons that we can learn for it. First of all, the area of chinuch, how to educate ourselves, how to educate our children. And of course, when it comes to halachas, in this case, Hilchas Pesach, which is also connected to the Parsha, like we said, Parsha's boy. Now, the real question is, why did the Tzemach Tzedek compel him to eat it? Why wasn't it possible to just sell it to a guy till after Pesach? Especially considering that you know how special and how precious this is to the child. Why not? Why couldn't he just allow him to sell it? Now you can't make the argument that he couldn't sell it because really it wouldn't have been a real sale because in the back of his mind, the child really wants to hold on to it and he's expecting to get it back. In other words, you can't make the argument that you know what? This, this, this sale would have been a flawed sale and therefore a flawed loophole, a flawed solution because it wouldn't have been done with the absolute intention of selling the chametz properly 100%. That cannot be the argument because the fact is that the Alter Rebbe writes that when it comes to the sale of chametz, it's considered an absolute sale. He doesn't mention anything about the fact that if you intend to buy it back later, then it's not an absolute sale. The fact is if you sold it and you did everything that's necessary... In other words, you checked off every box to make it a full and absolute sale, then it's a sale. All the price can hold that a sale holds, that a sale, that a sale can certainly uh, help avoid uh, and, and prevent being over on the east of the rice of having possession of Hametz. Now, perhaps there could even be another option. For whatever reason, you don't want him to sell it. Why couldn't he just at least make it hefker? In other words, make it free for all. And then it wouldn't be in his possession. Now, true that this, um, this method of making it hefkar, as we mentioned in the introduction, only works midurraisa, midrabanan. I mean, mi, 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 um, biblically. But midrabanan, it is not sufficient because of certain concerns. But still, there is also a solution for this. Could have taken it, put it outside, put it in a public arena, Thus, there wouldn't be the concern that the Chachamim have, and make it Hefker, and then, and then everything would have been fine. And everything would have been fine. Why couldn't he do that? So the Rebbe says that perhaps over here, it, that since the child certainly wanted it back, that the child certainly wanted it back, in other words, even if he would have put it outside and made it Hefker, or an adult would have done it for him. Still, in the back of his mind, he would have kept on thinking that he hopes and he's anticipating that nobody should come and take possession of it. And therefore, he'll be able to re to take possession of it. In other words, get to reown it after Pesach. Therefore, it comes out that it's flawed. It is flawed. In other words, perhaps one can suggest this answer. Again, I'm going to repeat it. Since the child would have ultimately not really made it full-fledged hefker, because in his mind he would have hoped and anticipated that nobody would take possession of it. And therefore he can get to reown it. Therefore, perhaps, this is not considered a full-fledged hefker. And therefore, as the Al-Tarebbe writes, that if one doesn't fully and absolutely make it hefker or sell it, then it's aser bahano, it is prohibited to derive any benefit from it after Pesach. Right? Says the Rebbe, this is not a good enough answer for why the Samachzelik would not allow him to do it. Because, think about it. When is this said? When do we say that you have to have 
a full and absolute hefker, meaning make it totally and free for all, that's only by actual chametz. If you remember the introduction, I thought there's a difference between actual chametz and a mixture of chametz. Now over here, when it comes to the candies, number one, at best, maybe it was a taruves chametz, it was a mixture of chametz, there could have been a little chametz in it. But perhaps it's even not chametz at all. It's just candies made out of sugar. What chametz is there in there? Moreover, what is the real reason why we say that that hefker doesn't really help midrabanan? Why it's not sufficient? Because we worry that deep down the person does still have intention to derive benefit ultimately at a later time from that item. But over here, it was clear that the, the Rebbe Rashab never in his life intended to consume those candies. On the contrary, as a little child, he was able to hold himself in and not consume the candies, not enjoy the sweetness of the candies, because he was so set on the fact that these are holy candies that came to him from Malach Lechal or from his grandfather. So if anything, he would never, he, was, he, had never, he would never have had any intention to derive benefit from it, and therefore the Hefker should help. Maybe in this, such a case, the Chachamim did not object to it be, being sufficient. So in summary, there's one or two options that could have been, that could have been uh, I- I- employed in order to uh, avoid the problem of having Chametz on Pesach, if there is any Chametz in there. Number one, either could have been sold. Number two, could have been made Hefker. Why did the, the Tzemach Tzedek not... Um, not not allow for any of these options to be utilized, to be employed. Rather, he forced him to eat it to consume it before Pesach. So the Rebbe says, we'll answer this according to the, there's a famous Shmua. Shmua means that this is just passed down from mouth to mouth by among Chassidim. And the Rebbe does emphasize in the footnotes that he himself never heard it from his father-in-law, from the previous Rebbe. But you can see, and it's evident in this sicha, that the Rebbe basically attributes all credibility to this, and in fact is implying that this is what the Tzemach Tzedek was doing. But in any case, what is the Shmua? That the custom of Machsidim was, that if you received either a food or a liquid item from the, from the Rebbe, that, that had in any way any chametz that you're not allowed to uh, possess on Pesach, they would not sell it to a guy under any circumstances, rather they would consume it before Pesach. And the Rebbe says the reason is very obvious. It's, it's a very simple and obvious reason. Because it's hepech, it's the opposite of the covet of, of your Rebbe. It's an affront to the Rebbe's honor to take shirayim, to take something you got from the Rebbe and either sell it or give it away to a guy. Moreover, if you sell it to a guy, says the Rebbe, think about it. When you buy it back, the real question is, is there any kedusha? Is there any of that holiness of your Rebbe left in that? In other words, you sold it to him totally and absolutely. Now when you buy back, well, you're just buying back a piece of cake, or you're buying back some Smirnoff. You're not buying out anything that has any holiness, any virtuousness. Now, says the Rebbe, perhaps one would endeavor to explain this in the following manner. The real question, in other words, let's get an understanding of this. The Rebbe just presented a reason but now he wants to break it down and give us an appreciation of this reason. What is really the essential idea of the of the Isr Chametz, the prohibition of Chametz and Pesach? So the Rebbe takes from the Rugged Shover, famous Rugged Shover guy, and the Rebbe says that he breaks it down in two possibilities. There's two ways to look at it. 
Either you look at it as it's a toyar, which means like a title, a situational description, which basically is saying the thing itself in essence is nothing. But now because of Pesach, it has like a, 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 a superficial uh, problem. It has something that's superficial from its essence that now has occurred and therefore it's usr. What is another way of looking at it that once it comes Pesach, there is a isr that's chal al ha'etzim. There's an isr, a prohibition that becomes now chal, it has an effect on the essence of the thing. In other words, it totally transforms the thing. It's not something superficial. The thing itself becomes, becomes prohibited. Now, what's the difference if you look at it this way, that way? You see, if you say that it's only a toyar, it's only like a superficial, it's only in its title, so then you can make the argument, once this issue passes, once this superficial effect passes, meaning once Pesach is over, then it's okay, then it goes away. The thing did not transform it to become a, 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 an object of prohibition. However, if you say that once Pesach begins and it's chametz, it becomes asur be'etzem, the essence of it becomes prohibited, that never goes away. Uh, etzem doesn't change. Essence doesn't change. And interestingly, says the Rebbe, we find two machlekes in, in the Shas that can actually be explained according to this chakira, according to this analysis. There's a machlekes which discusses what happens with chametz after Pesach. Rabbi Yudan Abshirin. One says, chametz after Pesach, asr bahana. It's prohibited. You're not allowed to derive any benefit from it. And therefore you can explain that he obviously is of the mindset that the etzem became asr. And once it was owned by a Jew, in other words, it had the prohibition of chametz with Pesach, well, it never goes away. So even after Pesach, a month, a year, two and ten years later, it's still going to be us. It's not going to go away. The essence doesn't change. However, the other one says, no, after Pesach, it's mutter bahano. Even though during Pesach it was us, because it belonged to Jew. But it's mutter bahano. Why? It means a lot of the right benefit from it. Obviously, he's of the mindset that this is only a toyar, in the words of the, like a, 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 a title, a description of it, but it's not the essence of it itself. That's one machlekes where you can apply this, this, this philosophical analysis. Another one is there's a machlekes between the Chacham and Rabbi Yehuda. How one should destroy Chametz? What is the proper method? The Chachamim say that the proper method is, and it's totally sufficient, is that you crumbled it up, you crumble up into you, you you crumb it up into little crumbs, and you just throw it either into the ocean or throw it into the air, and it gets blown away. Now it's not it. it no one can derive any benefit from it. This tells us that what do they hold? That it's not the essence of chametz that needs to be get rid of. It's just that the prohibition that's on it, meaning the additive to it, is what needs to be taken care of. In other words, this is what you have to see to it, that no one could derive any benefit. This is the Torah. So once you did that, no one could derive any benefit. No one could pick up all those crumbs and eat them. However, Rabbi Yehuda says, Ein bir ela sreifa. The only way to destroy, to get rid of one's chametz, is the true method is by burning it. In other words, totally destroying it. It's obvious that he holds that it's the essence of the chametz, the etzem that becomes affected. And therefore, it's not enough that one cannot derive benefit from it. But one needs to see to it that the existence of it is totally gone. Says the Rebbe, according to this, one second, it should be, we should, we should, let's, let's apply it to our discussion about taking something you received from the Rebbe and either selling it or giving it to a guy. If you hold that the 
the, es- the essence of it has become now affected, then you understand, it's understandable why you shouldn't give it to a guy. Why? Because you give it, you sell it to a guy, you give it to a guy, then there's not going to be left any kedusha in it. Why? Because the entire essence was sold to the guy, it was given over to the guy. Where is there any room left, so to speak, for there to have the kedusha hold on to? So when you get it back, there should still be kedusha there. However, if you're going to say that it's only the toyar, so to speak, the superficial part of it that's being sold to the guy, then maybe in the essence the kedusha of your rebbe remains. So why shouldn't it be forbidden? And the halach is like the rabbana. The halach, even though we do burn the chametz, because of course we prefer to do it in the most ideal manner, but the halach is that it's sufficient to just crumble up the, 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 the chametz, turn it into crumbs, and throw it into the air. So it comes out that the halacha is, that the true way to look at it is that it's only a isur of the toyar. So if that's the case, it should be allowed to sell the chametz. It should be allowed to sell it to the guy, even if the chametz, even if it came from your rebbe. Because it's not, an issue, it's, not a, it's not a problem. You're not affecting the essence of it. The essence does not get affected. Because you're not selling the chametz, the essence of it, which is not, not, not chametz. You're just selling the superficial part of it, so to speak. Is the Rebbe, this is not a good answer. This is not a good argument. Why? Because the bottom line is that according to all Poiskin, according to all Allahic authorities, when you, especially the way the Alter Rebbe set it up, this, the process of the sale of the Chametz, once you sell the Chametz, when you do the sale, it's an absolute sale. Regardless of how you view Chametz, if it's Tayyar or Etzem, but the sale is selling the essence of it. And therefore, regardless of the status of the Chametz, the entirety of the food or the mashke that you got from the Rebbe is being sold to the guy, And this is the problem. Here's where the Rebbe makes the case. This is the problem. Push it in plain, simple words. To take biyodayim means in an active, assertive manner. And to give over the kedusha that you receive from your Rebbe, to give it into the hands of the guy, or to be mevatl, to totally dissolve it, that is the problem. Therefore, you cannot sell it to a guy. You cannot transfer the ownership of this Kedusha to a guy. However, what's left? Ooh, the other option, Hefker. So why not Hefker? Why not make it free for all? Says the Rebbe, that's also a problem. Why? Because the Ragged Shavar Goyen has also a Chakira. What is really the gather? What is really the status of Hefker? When you say that something, you make it free for all. Is it shot what, that you now removed your ownership? And nobody owns it now until somebody comes and takes possession of it? Or do you look at it as once you've given up your ownership, you made it owned by everyone. Everybody owns it. In other words, does nobody own it? Does everybody own it? Now, of course, if you say that everybody owns it, meaning once I give up my ownership, I make it hefker. I make it hefker for everyone. So everybody has an ownership in it. It's obvious that it's a problem. It's clear and obvious. Why? Because I am now giving away the thing that I received from the Rebbe to every single guy in the world. Which, by the way, says the Rebbe, think of this, a beautiful chak. I, if I do this, it's even worse than selling it to a guy. Why? Because if I sell it to a guy, I can choose. I can at least find a decent guy. Or like the Rambam describes him, Hasidei Omesayilam, a righteous Gentile. But if I am giving it away to the, every guy in the world, I'm giving it to every chazer in the world, to every, every low life in the world, is now going to own a little tiny piece of the mashke that I got from the Rebbe. But how about if I look at it the other way? How about if the reality is that Hefker means 
that I'm just removing my ownership. Says the Rebbe, that it also won't is 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 wrong. Why? Because what you're doing is you're taking. How is it possible for you to take something with such high level of kedusha and to just put it out in a free for all place and say it doesn't mean anything to me anymore? I don't want to own it anymore. I I remove my ownership. In other words, you are expressing how this is a hepechachashivus, how this is so unimportant to you that you're ready to just throw it away. And therefore, either way you look at it, you cannot make your Rebbe's thing hepker. So now we've covered all bases, and now we understand why the Tzemach did not want to either um, resort to selling it, and neither to making it hefker, because neither way is correct, neither way is acceptable when it comes to something that came from a Rebbe. And this came from the Tzemach Tzedek. he didn't want his grandchild to have that. Says the Rebbe, from all of this, we can appreciate how great one has to make the effort when it comes to Chinuch, and how pure the Chinuch has to be. Because really you could argue, you can make the following argument. Listen, Rebbe Shah was a little child, and to him this was so important, this was so sentimental. Perhaps it would have made more sense to allow him to keep it, use some kind of loophole, and not go crazy with the minik sidim. It's only a minik. It's only a, a hidor. And maybe he would have a greater gain. Because these candies he would always keep with him. He would have cherished it for the rest of his life. And he would have brought back those memories of when he was inducted into cheder. Wow! It's a good argument. Right? For chinuch. And besides, it make him feel good, make him feel better. He always can toy with it. He always can play with it, at least till he matures and gets much older. The whole excitement of going to Cheder would have always remained with him. That those memories, how precious. Says the Rebbe, no. You see from here that notwithstanding how special that is, but it's more important, and that's the point that Samachtadik was making when it comes to Chinuch, that you should emphasize every single Derabanon, every single Hidur, even a minute Chsidim, how special and how precious it has to be. Even when it doesn't come easy. Meaning this came at a price. Certainly the Rebbe Rashab wasn't happy about it, right? Yeah, okay, it was sweet, the candies, but to him it was, was probably bitter. He, he wanted to hold on to it. And the fact is, he held on to it all these months. But still, you have to do what's right, what's correct, and that ultimately has the proper impact that the Chinuch should have. It says that Rebbe, now we can appreciate why when the Fidik Rebbe said over this story, he concluded with the following words, that this is the proper Chinuch that one has to have. Now we can appreciate it.